Welcome everyone to Bigfoot Backpackers, the podcast. This is Dan, and we have a real interesting show for you today. We are going to be speaking with Jeff, who comes out of North Carolina, who had his own personal Bigfoot Sasquatch encounter. And um, it sounds real interesting. In fact, he's had more than one. And we're going to focus on one that's that's uh, uh, very interesting, and we're going to ask a few questions and kind of just hear what he has to say and, and, and go from there. But yeah, we're going to be speaking with Jeff, and like I said, he comes from North Carolina, and Jeff is definitely a, an outdoor enthusiast. He's a mountain biker. He even races some of these mountain bikes. He's a hiker, a camper, a climber. He's a musician and an all-around nature enthusiast. And of course, he likes craft beer, which always is a good thing, but more importantly, I love how he describes himself. He's just a straight-up Sasquatch eyewitness. So let's welcome Jeff to the show. Jeff, are you out there? I am, Dan. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Wow, Jeff, thanks for coming on today. It's such a pleasure when we get to have these opportunities to speak with people that have these have these experiences because, yeah, it can you know kind of rattle some people, but at the same time, we can help educate some people too and, and uh, move on to our next you know chance to have having an actual encounter. So, Jeff, yeah. we get started here. Why don't you take us back, give us a little bit of background about yourself, just a little bit, and, and kind of where you like to hang out and, and, you know, and what makes things fun for you outdoors. And then just, yeah, when, you, when you're ready, just kind of walk us into how you came across this sighting and uh, kind of tell us what you saw and what the circumstances were. And, and uh, we're all just real anxious to hear how things went. Sure. Um, I was born and still live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, spent most of my life here. A couple of months I moved away but came back. Um, uh, the When I was about 13, uh, probably 12 to 13, my family moved to a small suburb of Charlotte um, with just tons of woods, cow pastures, um, and just to give you an example, I I knew Charlotte was a fairly good-sized city, but when we moved to this suburb, uh, there was a cow in our backyard. Um, so, so I kind of looked at my mom and said, oh, are we that far in the country? And she said, oh, yeah. Uh, it was not our, our cow, but apparently it escaped uh, from some local cow pasture. Uh, and that was just an indication of... Uh, what I was to expect, uh, I guess, not living in Charlotte anymore, but just right outside the city limits. Um, this was late 70s, um, and probably a couple of years after living there, um, hanging out with all the local kids, building our own motorcycle trails in the woods, um, getting used to just my surroundings um, is when I started having some strange encounters that I couldn't explain. Um the first one was in the pitch black woods where I couldn't really see what it was other than there was what looked like eye shine, um, just a red ring and only one red ring. Um, so I really didn't know what it was at the time. Um, but I'll, I'll get into that one uh, in just a couple of minutes, hopefully, um, because the second encounter I had was I could fully see um, a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, um, and, and what, how it transpired, um, really scared me for many years, um, even, if not decades. I've just now started, probably in the last five to six years, to talk about it, to get it out of my system, and to learn more about them. Um, but 
I never intended to um, not talk about it. I just wanted to find, you know, proof of what I knew I was looking at before I went out and told people I saw one and and realized, no, I was mistaken. It was something else. But the long story short, for the past 40 years, I've been trying to disprove what I saw as something else. Um, and there's just no way. Um, I was like, a, I once I saw him, um, I could see him head to toe, uh, front to back, left side, right side. He had no problems with me seeing him. Um, this was a full moon night. Uh, friends and I were playing hide and seek at the end of our street. Uh, we were walking through around his front yard just trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And I don't think at that time they were called super moons, but it had to be a super moon. It was one of the brightest moons that I've ever seen in my life. And just joking around with my friends in one of my friend's front yard where we were, ended up playing hide and seek, uh, we were just walking around. I backed up a couple of steps and held my hand up high in the air where you could see my shadow on the ground. You could see everyone's shadow. And I said, all right, guys, how many fingers am I holding up? And they were just looking at my shadow. Uh, and they guessed correctly every single time I changed how many fingers I was holding up because the moon was that bright. Right on. Um, and, well, we, we, like, that was just probably a couple of minutes before we made the decision to play hide-and-seek. Uh, like I said, I was probably 15, maybe 16 at this time. The rest of the guys were just probably a year or two younger than me, so... It was, I felt kind of weird playing hide and seek at that age, but there was really nothing else to do. Um, and it was just, you know, hanging out at night. This was probably about 1130 at night, um, maybe even closer to midnight. Um, my mom trusted me to, uh, it was not a school night. Uh, my mom trusted me to, you know, do the right thing at the right time. I was a good kid, so she didn't have a problem with me staying out late on weekends. Um, she knew I would be somewhere up and down the street, either playing basketball or riding my skateboard or bicycle or something like that. But uh, this particular night, uh, it was me and I think three, maybe four other friends. Um, and one of my friends, Mike, we ended up at his front yard. This was where all of this was going on. He had a big, flat front yard with no trees, probably about 30 or 40 yards long. Um, from his front porch to the end of his yard, and his yard dead-ended into a, uh, a, a wood line. Uh, and these woods went for probably at least two or three miles in every direction at this time. Uh, there was a cow pasture over to the left, if you're standing on his front porch looking at the front yard. And I forgot how we picked who was going to start counting and who was going to go hide, but uh, I was one of the ones that went to go hide. Uh, Mike was up on the porch counting, and everyone picked, like, there, there were bushes lining his front yard on, on the right before you got to the woods. A couple of people hid over there, just so it happened. I went down to the end of his driveway, right at the wood line. He had a tree beside the mailbox that I could hide behind. And so that's where I was just, I went behind the tree and was facing the house with the woods behind me and waiting on him to come look to see if he could find us. Um, like I said, it was a full moon night, no wind, um, probably about 70 degrees, 
fall, maybe September. Uh, but after a couple of minutes, once Mike started leaving the front porch and walking down the yard to see if he could find anybody, I hear what sounds like the wind blowing behind me. I mean, just, you know, leaves moving back and forth. And, and it sounded like a good breeze blowing. And the first thing I noticed was without even looking down or looking behind me that I didn't feel any breeze on, on the hairs on my arm. I didn't feel anything. Um, so I thought it was weird that the, the wind was blowing. Um, so I kept watching Mike walk further down towards my location down. He was in the middle of the yard by this time. And I'm still hearing the wind blowing behind me, or at least that's what it sounds like. So the moon was up over my left shoulder, probably about, you know, just above the tree line at this point, where I could see the top of the trees. They were fully lit from the moonlight. I looked over my left shoulder, looked at all every tree that I could see. Everything was easily visible. No trees were moving. No leaves were moving. Um, so I turned back and looked at Mike. And I'm like, well, the wind's not blowing up there either. And I've climbed up trees knowing that sometimes it blows, you know, 20 or 30 feet off the ground and you won't feel anything standing on the ground. Um, so I'm still hearing this noise behind me and I'm starting to get a little uneasy. I don't know what it is. So I, a couple seconds later, I looked over to my right. Um, and if you look where I was standing facing his house to the right, they had a private gravel road that uh, uh, joined his driveway where his driveway ended at the wood line. There was a private gravel road that went for probably half a mile up to the main road and with woods all the way beside it. So I looked as far as I could see, no trees moving, no, no wind blowing, nothing. And so whatever is making this noise is pretty much right behind me. Uh, so I, Again, turned around to see where Mike was. He was a little bit further, probably three-quarters of the way down the yard now. Still no one was making any noise. Everyone was in their hiding place. I was still standing there facing him, trying to figure out what this noise was. And the more it progressed, the the more uneasy I felt about it. I, I don't know why. I, I just maybe I just didn't know what it was. So finally, I, I couldn't take it anymore. I turned around over my right shoulder just to see what was right behind me, because that's what it sounded like after listening to it for, for 10 or 15 seconds, trying to figure out what it was and not seeing any evidence of wind. So when I turned around over my right shoulder, I'm still looking at the tops of the trees. I see one tree and just one tree shaking violently back and forth, hitting the other trees beside it. And I'm just staring at it. I have, I'm just kind of stunned. I don't know what would cause that. I don't know why it's doing that. Um, so I look at it for a couple of minutes, and I mean, a couple of seconds, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's the noise. And I turn back around, look at Mike, um, and I'm like, trying to figure it out. I, and the only thing that ran through my mind was, maybe something is chasing a family of possums or raccoons up the tree, and they're running around the tree, shaking it from side to side as they go from one side to the other, trying to get away from whatever's chasing them. And I know how big raccoons can get, uh, at least in our neighborhood. There were some big ones, bigger than small dogs. Um, and that didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but that was the only thing I could think of. Um, possums the same way, that didn't make a lot of sense. And so I really wasn't sure what it was, but that's the only thing my brain came up with. And at this point, I was getting 
more than uneasy. It, it, that that tree shaking kind of scared me a little bit. Um, so I kept trying to figure it out and facing forward, and finally it just got the best of me. I'm like, I got to see what this is. I got to figure out what's causing it. So I turned back around, did a full 180. So now I'm facing the tree that's shaking, and I'm still looking at the top because that's the movement I see. And the moonlight is hitting it in such a way that I can see the bark. I can see the limbs. I can see everything. I mean, it's almost like looking at uh, a tree that you can easily see right before the sun sets. The moon was that bright. And so I started at the top looking at the trunk of the tree, trying to see if I see any animals running up and down it. And I get about a quarter of the way down from the top and nothing. So I keep going. I'm looking at the tree. And I get about halfway down, and I don't see anything. And at this point, I'm getting worried because I don't know, you know, why would a tree normally be doing this? And so I just like, well, I'll keep following that down. And when I get to the last quarter of the tree, you know, from the ground up, I see a dirty, white Bigfoot. I mean, there's no other way to describe it. I immediately knew what I'm looking at. Um, I had no idea they were on the East Coast. Uh, much less in North Carolina, and then even much less than that at the end of a cul-de-sac with houses and people living on it. Um, so, I mean, I'm staring at him. He's still got a hold of the tree. He's shaking it back and forth. He's not looking at me. He's looking at the tree. He is covered in white fur from head to toe. Um, he has long white hair, shoulder-length hair. Uh, what I kind of started calling Jesus hair. It, it was straight, but not spaghetti straight. Uh, it was just straight, but it was wavy over the ears, kind of curled up and, and curls on, on his shoulders where it was laying on his shoulders. It was that long. Um, so, it, But it hung down over his face, and I'm looking at him from the left side while he's shaking the tree. And he's continuing to shake it while I'm standing there looking at him. He's got both feet side by side. He's within arm length of the tree, and he's pretty close up to it. Um, it's, it's not like he's, like, you know, has one foot in front of the other, leaning into it, trying to move it. He's doing this with just his forearms. He has hold of this tree, and the only thing moving is from his elbows to his hands, and he is shaking this tree. I'm not going to say as hard as he can, but he's shaking the tree pretty hard. Uh, and I, I just stared at him for about five or ten seconds, wondering – What's going on? What do I do? Why is this happening? Uh, and at that point, you know, the fear is building inside of me as my brain is trying to figure this out. And while all of this is going on, my brain instantly just starts running through every animal that I can think of that it's ever seen, ever heard, or ever read about. Every picture of an animal that you can, that you've ever seen in your life starts flashing through my brain as fast as it can trying to figure out what else this is other than what I know I'm looking at. And after about two or three seconds of that, that's all going on while I'm watching it. I come back to the same conclusion after about five or ten seconds. No, this is exactly what I think it is. And at that point, I 100% know I'm within 20 feet of something that I, I'm not going to say, I didn't know they existed. I, at this point, I had seen the Patterson-Gimlin film. Um, uh, I think it was on In Search Of, the television show with Leonard Nimoy. That was my only 
knowledge of Bigfoots or Sasquatch. And from watching that show, I figured, okay, that looks real to me. If they're real, that's where they are in the Pacific Northwest, and that's pretty cool. That was my knowledge of them at that point. And once I turned around and realized what I'm looking at after five or ten seconds, I'm like, okay, um, uh, totally shocked at what I'm looking at. I I just, I cannot put into words how shocked I was that I, I was on one side of this private gravel road beside the mailbox. He was on the other side of this gravel road. And there, there was what I call the first line of trees that were closest to the gravel road on his side. He, he wasn't shaking a tree as close to the road as he could get, but just the next row of trees, that's where he was. And there was no trees in front of him blocking my view of him. So I could, you know, it's just like if one person stood on the side of a single lane road and another person on the side of, a, of the other side of the single lane road, that's how close we were. Uh, so at this point, I decided I need to get out of there. I ran to where Mike was. Um, he was still probably three-quarters of the way down the front yard, um, still looking for people. And I ran to him and kind of just stopped and turned around and, and turned back around to look at the Bigfoot. And at this point, he's still shaking the tree. Um, one of my other friends didn't know why I ran out there like that, and so he stood up from his hiding point and said, hey, Mike can see you. And, like, I, at this point, I didn't care. So I just pointed at what I was looking at or what I was running from because they didn't know why I came out from my hiding spot. And then another, the guy that said he can see you came out to see what I was pointing at, and he saw it. At that point, Mike saw it. And then my, I think, one other friend that was still hiding came out to see what we were looking at at this point. And once he got there, all four of us standing there looking at him. He's still shaking the tree. Um, so this happened, I mean, this lasted about 30 seconds now. I mean, it all happened pretty quickly once I ran to where Mike was, turned around and pointed. Everybody came out pretty quickly. Um, and once everyone got there, I'm still pointing. No one's saying anything. I'm sure they're just as shocked as I am at this point. Um, he lets go of the tree. And he lets go of the tree in a way that I thought was really unusual. Um, he let go of it like it was hot. Um, so I don't know if the tree, if you're strong enough to shake a tree that strong, I mean that long, does, does where it's bending get hot? I don't know. Um, but he let go of it and kind of opened his fingers to like to get some air movement around his fingers. And uh, kind of like he didn't shake his hands, but he opened up both hands like really wide and then put them down beside his side pretty quickly. Um, and at this point, there's still a, a a doubt in my mind of like, okay, this I know what I'm looking at, but what are the chances that you know I'm wrong? It's I'm I'm going to include that that possibility no matter what I think it is, and I'm going to watch him and see what he does. And if he gives himself away as as something other than what I think it is, then okay, fine. Um, but when he let go with the tree, he turned. And faced us, but he didn't stop and look at us. Um, but he turned in a way that he was facing the front yard now instead of staring at the tree. And I could see him now, head to toe, full front. I can see his chest, his abs. I can see how big he is. This guy was 
um, built like a linebacker is the way I've always described it. I mean, he was the only way, again, my brain, how it works, the only way I could describe his musculature was he was bigger built than Rambo. But but not as big as Schwarzenegger in in Schwarzenegger's uh, weightlifting heyday or bodybuilding heyday. The guy looked like a football player. He looked like the biggest thing that, that I've ever seen. Uh, and and there was just he had a V-shaped torso. He had I can see he didn't have as much fur on his chest and his abs as he did everywhere else. But there was still hair there. Um, uh, and again, I'm going to call it fur. It looked like Kind of like a, a, a white sheepdog, um, but it, it wasn't as matted and, and messy as a sheepdog, uh, at least the image I get. It looked pretty organized from the shoulders all the way down to his feet. Um, it came off of his shoulders and and about halfway down his biceps, the, the fur that came off of his shoulders, I was close enough to, to easily see the detail. It came off of his shoulders into a point, like on the side of his bicep. And then there was a separate layer of fur that came out from underneath that and went all the way down to about halfway down his forearm. And then that fur stopped in in like jagged points also. And then from the middle of his forearm down to almost halfway down his fingers, another layer of fur came out underneath that layer that was halfway down his forearm. So I could see... That much detail, we were still that close to see exactly what we were looking at. Um, and it did look like he was wet from his shoulders down. His hair looked pretty dry. Uh, it wasn't blowing because there was no wind. Um, but I, I've had long hair before, and, and when it's wet, you can tell. It doesn't matter how curly it is. It'll, it'll straighten out just from the weight of the water. His hair was, like I said, wavy laying on his shoulders, curling up on his shoulders and on his back. So he looked wet from his shoulders down. I could see, when when I say that he was dirty white, you could see where the fur was like water had been dripping off of him. It wasn't dripping net now, but you could see where the it had been running off of him. E- each point of fur was dark where, where like all the dirt that that he had in his fur had been pulled down to each point where like a drip, a drop of water would drip off of him. Um, so he had those black marks all over him from look like uh, where, where dirt water had pulled dirt off of him. And you could see the white fur underneath him. Uh, but once he let go of the tree, he turned around, kind of faced us. I could not see his face. He was leaning towards us, um, and I don't know if he was, like, looking at us, you know, like when you tilt your head forward and kind of look out of the top of your eyes at something. Um, But the moonlight was shining straight on him at that point. But his hair was parted in the middle, and it was hanging down on each side of his face, kind of creating, like, a hoodie effect where it created a shadow over his face. I couldn't see his face, but I could see everything else, uh, I mean, from head to toe. And he kept turning around after um, he let go of the tree, walked over to my side of the gravel road where I was standing, but he was walking away from us now. So he diagonally crossed the gravel road um, in three steps. And, and I'm not even sure if I could do it in three steps if I crossed it horizontally. And we're still talking about just a single lane road. He crossed a single lane road 
probably at a 45 degree angle in three steps. So that was another indication that I'm dealing with something that is not human. Um, not unless, you know, it's going to be a seven or eight foot tall human with that long of a stride. And when he got to the other side of the gravel road, I mean, at this point, he's out of the tree line, he's in the full moonlight, and I'm looking at him from the, uh, well, first when he's shaking the tree, I was looking at him from the right side. Now I'm looking at him from the left side as he's crossing the road and starting to head away from where we are. There's a cow pasture on that side of the road, right beside the mailbox where Mike's house is. I wanted to see what he was going to do when he gets to the cow pasture fence. And it was a normal cow pasture fence with wooden posts um, with two wooden rungs uh, in between each post. The You know, the lower rung probably about knee high, just above that, and the upper rung was chest high. And I know it was chest high because I've leaned on that cow pasture fence many times. And to me, I could fold my arms and just lean on it. And to me, it was chest high. And at that point, I was probably... 5'6 to 5'9, so chest high would probably be four feet for that top rung. Um, and I, I was just really curious to see what he was going to do. If it was a human in a suit, he would probably just walk beside the fence and keep going down the road and disappear. If it was a real Sasquatch Bigfoot like it appears to be, he's strong enough just to walk through the fence. I don't know what he's going to do when he gets to it. Um, but as he... His third step across the road was in the little valley that you often see beside gravel roads where all the leaves pile up when cars blow them over. He stepped in that little depression, probably a couple inches below the gravel road, lifted his right leg, knee high. I mean, his knee was chest high. He lifted it up as high as he could, or at least to me it looked like high as he could, stepped right over the cow pasture fence without touching it put his right foot down in the cow pasture while his left foot was still on the ground beside the gravel road, picked up his left foot and continued walking without breaking stride, and he never touched the fence with his legs or his hands. So his inseam is at least four feet off the ground. And at that point, that was what actually sold it for me, combined with everything else that, that I've seen so far at this point. I'm like, yeah, that's not a human. There's just no way a human can shake a tree like that, be that tall, be that big muscular-wise, um, step over a four-foot fence without touching it. And and that's just what sold it for me. And, and me and my friends were all still standing there watching him, and he just walks effortlessly, no hurry, no rush. I mean, he knows we're looking at him and just disappears into the far side of the cow pasture fence. I mean, cow pasture um, into the moonlight, and he just he kind of blends in with it because, you know, the, the moonlight is kind of white, and he was white. But once he got halfway down the cow pasture, he just kind of disappeared. And I always wondered, there was a barn down at that end of the cow pasture. Was he going there for food? Um, there was chickens and hens and cows and uh, maybe even a horse or two. Um, but I, I've always wondered why he was walking that way why he didn't come after us, why, you know, there's so many questions that I've had unanswered for the past 40 years. Um, so I, that, that, once he disappeared into the, the moonlight, 
me and my friends, we all looked at each other like, did you see that? Did you see that? And we were all saying the same thing. We all saw exactly the same thing. It scared my friend Mike enough where he ran up to the porch and went inside. He goes, I'm going to bed. He, so he walked into his house, shut the door, and we're now there's three of us out in the front yard going, wow, what do we do? And he's like, I think it scared everyone because everyone just kind of said, I'm going home. Uh, and I just happened to live the furthest away, like about seven or eight houses up the street. So I went home, didn't tell anybody. I was just hoping to go to bed, forget about it, wake up the next day, and life would be normal again. I just, you know, that's a lot to process, especially when you're convinced what you're looking at is real. And by all indications, um, I have no doubt that it was real. Uh, so I walked in. I think I said, Mom, I'm going to bed. Walked into my room, shut the door, turned the light off, got in bed. And as soon as I laid down, this video in my brain of what I just saw starts playing. And I sat straight up in bed with my eyes wide open going, no, I don't want to see this again. It's just, I mean, it's scary enough the first time. And so now I, I try it. I'm like, okay, just relax. You're, you're not panicking, but, you know, you just saw something amazing just relax and go to bed and go to sleep, you'll be fine. So I lay down again. As soon as I close my eyes, this video starts playing again, and it starts with where I see him shaking the tree. And I see him from head to toe shaking the tree just like I was living it again. Um, I, 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 I see him once I run over to where my friend Mike is. I see turn around. He's still shaking the tree. I see him walk across the road. It's the whole video. And it's like my brain just recorded it. And it's going to just keep playing it. And it just kept playing it and playing it over and over. I couldn't make it stop. I, even if I opened my eyes, it would stop then. But as soon as I closed my eyes, try to go back to sleep, it would start over with him shaking the tree. And that went on for three weeks, that video, every time I went to bed. Um, it lasted for three weeks, and it finally started dying away. Um, to, to where I could just close my eyes and go to sleep normally. Um, but it, it scared the heck out of me. And like, and, and part of that fear was me not talking about it. Uh, and I've only recently started talking about it, probably the last five or six years. I mentioned it to a friend of mine, maybe a couple of friends that I mountain bike with. I, we were at a restaurant and I think I came back from, uh, washing my hands after bike riding one time and I just they just happened to be talking about Bigfoot when I got back to the table and one of them said yeah I don't think they're real and that was the only part of that conversation I heard and I guess I was just ready to talk about it and I said oh yeah they're real trust me I've seen one and they looked at me like what I said yeah I've seen one I said he stepped over a four-foot cow pasture fence he was shaking a tree they're real I can't explain it other than I've seen one. And they were like, oh, that's cool, and changed the subject, uh, which I don't blame them. Um, but long story short, um, I've, I am talking about it now. Uh, I'm still dealing with a lot of the fear. Uh, I still cannot go camping solo out in the woods by myself. Um, I try. I try to force myself sometimes, and, you know, um, it's just I know what's out there now. And and not, he could have walked up behind me and grabbed me. I had no idea he was there. 
He could have thrown rocks at me. He could have hit me with sticks. He could have probably broken that tree in half and just done whatever he wanted. Um, so I'm glad he chose a nonviolent way to, to make himself known. Um, but, I mean, that was the initial um, encounter with with this guy. And the next day, me and my friends went back, and I can tell you some more about that if you'd like to hear that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just in awe sitting here listening to this because your your account and recall of detail is fantastic. And, uh, you know, it obviously made an impact on your life. And my experience, I didn't have nearly as, you know, I didn't have the sighting, but I heard some noises and was being dealt with. And uh, like I said, well, I'm going to put that on a podcast and go through that um, detail by detail. But I'll, I'll kind of back up here a little bit, Jeff, if you don't mind, because thank sure. you for all the detail. It's it's fantastic. I'm, I feel like I'm watching a movie. You're describing it so well. And uh, when you were talking about, you know, the super moon, the real bright moon, I completely understand what you're talking about. And just kind of as a reference, there were times cause I've done so much backpacking way back. And... Uh, yeah, when you're when you do get a hold of one of those moons that's so bright, it's it's basically like the sun is coming up, but it's you know it's obviously the moonshine. Um, right. I've had it to the point where, you know, in the middle of the night we we would wake up. I mean, we're ten miles back, and the and I look out, and the moon's so bright, and I looked, I could see a lake that we would love to fish, and there's fish out there rising and catching insects. And we would get our fly rods and run out there, and we'd catch these fish at two in the morning with no light, no flashlights, nothing, because yep. it's so bright. So that you know that really lended itself to you being able to see a lot of detail that so many witnesses don't get to see. And so that's just you know an, an understandable thing with with how bright the moon can be, with how much detail you saw. So you said it was shaking this tree. What kind of trees do you think it, or that that it had a hold of? Uh. Well, that's the next part of it, and we went back the next day. I found the tree that he was shaking, or at least the one I thought he was shaking, because I went back to where I was standing. I, I did the same thing. I looked over my right shoulder. Okay, which tree was it? Okay, here's the tree. It looks like that I think he was shaking. And my same friends were out there with me. We were looking around the woods and trying to just see what we could find. Um, but to answer your question, I found the tree that I thought it was, it's a, an American beech tree, um, so the, the bark is pretty light-colored, almost white-colored, especially in a full moon. You can easily see the trunk of the tree and the bark. Um, and just to verify that this was the tree that I, I think it was, I kept looking at it. I'm like, well, if, where was he grabbing it? I wanted to see if I could see anything where he was grabbing it. And so I looked about a foot and a half above my head, and I see what looks like three claw marks on this side of the tree facing the gravel road. And I'm going, I was kind of confused. I saw that and I'm like, well, I didn't think Bigfoot had claws, but you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a primatologist. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to say they don't, but I'm just, you know, I know what I'm looking at. It looks like three claw marks. And so, all right, the next, common sense thing to do would be look on the other side of the tree, see if there's three matching marks. And I, I remember specifically as I'm like leaning over the back side of the tree, I'm like, man, if there's three marks there, I'm just going to freak. This is just, you know, I was hoping this would go away with a good night's sleep. 
And so I, I remember specifically looking at the tree, and as I swung my head around to the back side, yep, there were three matching claw marks at the same height on the opposite side of the tree. And I just remember going, no way, this is just crazy at this point, because it just, I mean, I mean, I knew I wasn't dreaming. All of my friends saw it together. I knew we were not hallucinating, but this just hammered home that, yeah, what happened last night actually really happened. And I called them over. I said, guys, look at this. What do you think? They were like, yeah, that looks like the tree. I'm like, well, look up there. And what do you see? And they said the same thing I did. They were just like, holy cow. And it's just, this can't be happening. And at this point, we decided, well, let's walk back further in the woods to see what we can find, if anything. I did find uh, closer to the gravel road where that tree was. I did find what looked like a footprint um, where all the leaves had blown, again, off the road into into just a little two- or three-inch depression beside the road. Um, so I bent down and looked at it. It looked bigger than a human print, but um, I'm, you've been out in nature enough where I'm sure you're familiar with. If you step on wet leaves, It'll leave a depression, but as soon as you move your foot, they'll start rising back up to the normal height and, and fill in the depression that you made. Sure. Uh, so this was this was probably the next morning, with the, and from from close to midnight that night, this was probably nine o'clock. So nine hours had passed. I could see what looked like a footprint. Um, you could see what looked like toes, but and I thought about running home to get my camera. I'm like, you know what? I live the furthest away from here. No one had cell phones back then. No one had cameras on them. I'm like, if I run all the way back home, grab my camera, it's going to take me 20, 30 minutes, whatever, to come back. And by then, who knows how much cool things my friends are going to find while I'm going to get my camera. So I said, no. I just told myself, I'm not leaving. Let's see what we can find. So we all walked back further in the woods. And this was, by the way, uh, one of my friends, we were always in this section of the woods to the right of, of where this happened. Um, our street dead ended like right where we're talking about where my friend's front yard uh, and the wood line met. Um, his private road kind of curled around to meet our dead end street or our street kind of curled around to meet his private road. So uh, even though he was in a different neighborhood, our streets dead ended right beside each other. But to on, at the end of our street, the woods there, me and my friends were always in those woods, uh, making motorcycle trails, riding, uh, just having fun. I mean, constantly, every week, every part of the year that it wasn't raining, we were in these woods, and we never saw or heard anything. You get over to my friend's front yard on this side of where his street dead ends, it's only 20 yards difference, but no one ever went in this section of the woods where we are now. And I always had an uneasy feeling about going there. I never really asked anyone specifically, why don't we go in this part of the woods? I heard one of my other friends say probably a year or two before that, that he walked back there one time and didn't like it and turned around and came out. And But the, the point I'm making is we never went in these this section of the woods for some strange reason. It just felt wrong to go in the, this part of the woods, so we never did. But today, or that day, we started walking further back in the woods. After about five minutes, maybe ten, we get to, you can see a clearing up in the woods ahead. Um, not, uh, not 
where everything has been cleared, but clearing enough where you can see sunlight now coming down and you can see a lot more than you can in the woods because the canopy was still kind of thick where it was, you, you were walking in the shade under, under the canopy and you could see the sunlight shining in, in this clearing up ahead. So we walk about, you know, uh, once we see it, we walk about another 50 or, or, or 40 yards to get to it. And I'm the first one to step into this clearing. And as soon as I step into it, there's this god-awful smell. It smells like wet dog and skunk, maybe rotting garbage, just the, the worst smell you could ever imagine. I've smelled skunk before, and I still smell them on the road when I, you know, I'm driving. Skunks don't bother me that much like they do some people. This smell stopped me in my tracks. I, I, I was on my second step into this clearing, Um the first step, I smelled it, and I took one more, and I just stopped. And I was like, you know, I did not smell this before I got in this clearance. So I immediately backtracked two steps back into the woods, no smell whatsoever. And I looked at my friend, like, over to my right. He was, like, about 15 or 20 feet to the right. He had not stepped into the clearing yet. And I just motioned with my hand. I'm like, keep walking. And once he got into the clearing, he looked at me. He's like, holy cow, you can see the look on his face. So he smelled it. So I walked back into the clearing. As soon as you step into that clearing, the same smell. And I've never understood how an animal or anybody, for that matter, can can create a smell that will not drift away. How can it not be in the woods before the clearing and yet just in the clearing only? Even if you're rubbing up against a tree, you think it would sooner or later dissipate and, and at least go into the woods five or ten feet, you know, beyond the clearing. But this particular incident, it started immediately in the clearing. Um, and once I get in the clearing the second time, I'm like, all right, whatever, I'll deal with the smell. Um, me and my other friend that I motioned to were looking around, looking on the ground. I think we were just looking for footprints or just to see what was on the ground. We, we didn't really know what we were looking for. Um, but I kind of lifted my head up, and in the middle of the clearing, kind of just a little bit to the right of the middle of the clearing, this clearing was probably oval-shaped. Um, there was nothing chopped, nothing cut. There was just no trees in this section. Um, there was one small sapling, like, over to my left in, in the clearing, and another small one to the right. Um, but they were only probably an inch or two in diameter, very small, probably about five or six feet high. But other than that, no trees whatsoever. But as, as I entered the clearing the second time and I lifted my head, instead of looking down at my feet, trying to see what I could find, there's what looks like an igloo. Um, but it's made out of sticks. And they're woven together. Um, were so tightly that the sunlight would not penetrate the holes in between each stick. And I walked up to this igloo-looking structure it was about knee high to me, um, and my first impression was, you know, whatever I saw last night, there's no way he could fit in this thing. Um, so I didn't know what it was, um, but I kind of leaned over and looked at it. Um, there was no green leaves on it. Um, all the greenery had been stripped off of it. The sticks were, in fact, woven together in and out of each other in the shape of an igloo. It had a round opening. Uh, uh, that I was looking at because I walked up to where the opening was and was looking over the top of it 
and and the the it was just an oval opening in the front of what you would consider if you made an igloo out of snow, it'd be just a normal opening. And I was a little afraid to look in there because I didn't know what was in there, and I thought you know if anything was in there, it's going to probably be maybe a fox or a badger or, or something. Who knows? Um, but after last night, I had no idea what to expect. So I backed up about 10 feet, got down on my knees, looked in there. I expected to see some eyes looking at me. I didn't see anything. Um, it was still kind of freaking me out that I'm like, whatever made this thing had hands. Um, I've never seen any humans back here. And after what I saw the night before, at this point, I'm, I'm getting spooked again where I don't want to deal with this and, and I don't, I, I don't know if we're being watched. I don't know if whatever built this thing is is coming back and, and happens to find us apparently on on its territory. What it will do. Uh, so me and my friends, we all kind of looked at me, looked at each other after seeing this. They were looking at it with me, walking around it, trying to figure it out what it was. We 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 got out of there. Oh, we we didn't know what to expect next after seeing that after what we saw the night before. Um, especially with the, the marks on the tree. If whatever this thing was had claws, I don't want to deal with it. If it's, you know, I knew how big it was, so I didn't want to deal with it. And apparently this is where it was living or 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 even, you know, if it was just visiting, it, it didn't matter. The, the only thing that made sense was let's get out of here. Um, so we all not ran but walked really fast back through the woods, back to my friend's, the same front yard. And uh, we never went back in that section of the woods again, as long as I lived there. We lived there for 13 years, and this was probably the second to third, maybe fourth year that I lived there. So for the next, you know, 10 years, I never went back in that section of the woods. Um, and me and my friends, none of us ever talked about it. I never heard them mention it again. I never mentioned it again. So it just got to the point where I got used to not talking about it. And, and, but I've always tried to figure out what it was other than what I knew it was. And, but it's just, it, at that point, I, I, I don't know. I just, I couldn't process it anymore. I just like, I, you know, I don't care how long this takes. I'm, I'm going to figure it out and then I'll talk about it because then I'll know what I'm talking about. And, and after, especially the last 10 years or so with all the Bigfoot shows and, and the podcast and, and people talking about it now, it's almost like uh, not a normal thing to talk about, but it's a lot more normal than it was back in the 70s. Um, after hearing other people's reports, um, I, I'm even more convinced that what I saw was what I think it was. There's, there's just no way around it. Yeah, I I have no question what you saw is exactly how you're describing it. I mean, your amount of detail is incredible. And one thing I really appreciate because, yeah, you know, all the research and homework I do and the things I watch and things I listen to as well, sometimes people are nervous about naming or, or saying, hey, this this was a Bigfoot. And I appreciate the fact that you went down that direction and just said, yeah, I, I saw a Bigfoot. There's no question about it. Some people say, I saw this creature. It was human-like and so on and so forth. And that's fine. I understand, there's, you know, because they're questioning what's going on. I appreciate the fact that, you know, you, you came to a, a conclusion based on facts that you saw. And I really appreciate that because, you know, in this world, there's so many people out there. Yeah, the hoaxes and the, you know, people trying to get away with 
falsehoods. It just, it just clutters everything when there is, I think, a genuine truth here. And so I, I greatly appreciate that.